Listen to this. Zakawani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Side by Side. Myself, Steve Zakwani, Keely's here, Bragg's here, and we have special guest in the house, voice of Sounders FC, Keith Costigan, is also with us. Lots happening. Of course, a tremendous win in midweek. We have to recap, and then we preview probably the toughest test the Sounders have faced so far this season in the new revamped LAFC with a new coach there, Chorindolo, doing a fantastic job. And of course, the biggest news coming out from this region is Seattle will be one of the host cities for the 2026 World Cup. Um, there was a nice celebration event down at the pier yesterday. Keith Costigan was there. We'll hear about that. But before we go any further here, we were all in the building. Um, Tuesday, Tuesday night, it was the Sounders face in Vancouver. And, you know, apart from maybe a 10, 15 minute spell at the end of the first half, I thought it was quite comfy for the Sounders and we said in a pregame the big players had to step up you know Raul did Nico did Freddie had a good game Steph had a good game again um curious you guys your thoughts on the game the win um how much can we read into it was it excellent Sounders poor Vancouver a combination of both overall thoughts on what we saw I think you know going into this one obviously we looked at both records and we said these are two hot teams but they were still under 500 and this was the game that was going to be indicative of, okay, which team deserves to be under 500 and which team um, has sacrificed the beginning part of their season to claim a trophy. And it was very apparent within the first 10, 15 minutes that that was the case. Um, I think it was Vancouver looked like the 2020 um, San Jose earthquakes when they came in here and tried to play a system that was just very organized and each player could just kind of do their job and take care of the Sounders. And it did not work. Um, they had no answer for uh, anything dynamic that the Sounders were doing any sort of interchange of, you know, Kellen Rose stepping into the midfield and pinching inside sometimes. And um, they just didn't have an answer and it's a credit to the Sounders. And uh, the, like we said before the game was the young guys and, and these guys have to step up and show that they belong on the field. And they did that. I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of guys that are playing for either a spot on the 18 or a spot on this team for, for next year. And um, we'll see what happens. Obviously, with Raul probably out, Yamar still out. There's going to be some holes to fill now against the top team. Can you do it against L.A.? But the Vancouver game, I thought overall was was fantastic. And, uh, you know, you make a team pay early. And it gives you just that advantage, right? You go up one nothing heading into that game early, early on. And um, I thought just overall a, a, a good performance from the guys. And, you know, again, I was happy to see Jimmy Madranda just, he plays unlike any other player. Uh, and that's why I, I love to watch him when he's feeling confident and feeling good. Um, he's just so silky smooth. And uh, I, was, I was really happy for him in that game. And then Jackson Reagan, I've never seen another defender that, other than Chad, where their head is just a magnet for the soccer ball. Like they don't have to do anything. Somehow the ball just finds their head. And it, it's really fun to watch. 
and uh, excited for him to have what I thought was was a really good game. Um, you know, sacrificing himself on a number of occasions, and you can tell he he wants it, and he knows that he's going to have to do everything extra to to break into this lineup on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I think for me the, the the great thing about it was I thought the two goals early. I actually thought Vancouver played quite well in the first half after the two goals, mm-hmm. and then the response at the start of the second half to completely dominate. And then I was I was thinking afterwards the lineup. You go through the lineup and and there's nowhere near this, the the eleven that we expect to have when everybody is ready. So in the back four, Jackson Reagan, you would I mean, however well he's played, is 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 a backup, right? Kellen Rowe isn't first choice left back. So there's two. You go into midfield, Nico's not going to play a deeper role. Fred Montero's probably not going to be your, your your ten every game. So that's two more. And then your front three, Madranda and Chu are not your everyday wingers. So that's six different positions within the lineup where you could argue that it's we're not at our strongest. And we beat the team that have been playing really well. So I think that's testament to the strength and depth. Um, Brad, I'm with you on on, on Jimmy. I, I think Madranda, I'd never seen him play on the right wing coming inside on his left. I thought he did a really, really good job. I thought Leo Chu tried to be aggressive. And then, you know, in Raul, you have... I think he's going to, get, going to go down as one of the premier finishers this league has ever seen. Um, devastated he's not going to play this weekend, but, I mean, his, his goals, he's just he's absolutely top level. Um, it was It's just a great way to start this four-game set where you have four at home. The expectations are, let's climb the table. We're back uh, above the line, but at Seattle, that's not good enough. We want to be higher. But for me, it was the perfect start to that four-game set at home. Yeah, I mean... I agree. I totally agree. I was going to ask you guys what you thought of Madronda um, and Shu playing up front. Um, Cause I thought Madronda had a great game personally. I thought he looked awesome. I'm also biased because he may be my favorite player, but yeah. what did you guys think of sort of seeing him in that spot, especially cause you know, he's been injured a little bit. It's kind of one of those things where he might've been playing to solidify a spot on this team. I'm curious what you guys thought. No, I think Brian Keith said it. I think, again, he's a fantastic player regardless. I think he did really well in the 3-5-2 sort of that wing-back role at times last year. Um, he can play left-back, left-mid. I mean, he's very technical, clean in possession, combines well with you know, the guys who like to combine, the Freddies, the Nikos. He can do that side of it. Has a wicked left foot on him for a shot. Um, just a clean, good player, strong, everything. Um, with true, it's such a tough one. I was thinking about this as well after the game. I like him a lot. And if he was someone who maybe had broken through the academy or maybe had gone to college and one of those, yeah, we'd be like, yeah, this guy's exciting. Like, yeah. we'd, we'd be saying, this guy's so excited. Wow. Coming to see what he becomes. He's only 22 or something like that. Um, the fact that he came with the price tag from Brazil, um, it just changed. It's, it's not his fault, but that is what is going to change everything. We need you to produce at that salary level. It's just the way this league is. And because of that, I didn't view him in a different light. And the only time I've seen him put it all together was a game last season away to Colorado Rapids. I think yeah. he came on yeah. and he was lights out. And you can kind of see it. Um, he gets into the right positions, but then the cross might be a bit off. Or he might run the wrong way and Nico plays it the other way. It's like he's still not all together. There's moments for sure. There's ability there. I just ask in this league, how long can you afford to be patient when you're invested that kind of dollar amount to someone, I don't know. That may be his biggest battle right now. It's just 
can I come good in time to justify what uh, my salary is? And that's unfortunate because had he been a kid who came out, we took him from UVA, he came out of Akron. We'd be like, this kid's exciting. There's yeah. a potential there. It's just not the case of him. And I like him a lot, but I just don't know if with Jordan Morris fit, Madran is there, Christian plays on the right. There's so many people you can use in those positions. And if you're not getting consistent goals and assists all the time and production, it's going to be hard for him to stay on the pitch. No, nobody, nobody good comes out of Akron, Steve. Just, I don't think that's a good analogy. UVA, yeah, they don't produce good attacking players. So. All the good ones come from UC Irvine, and that's about it. <laughs> I, yeah, it would be different, too, if he was coming off the bench and he was making an impact in every game, like a Solskjaer or something like that, right? Like he comes on in, in, in the 80th minute and somehow gets an assist or gets, you know, four or five shots, but that hasn't been the case yet. Maybe he can get to that point where he feels confident enough and he's okay with playing 10, 15 minutes and just being that guy that, oh shit, if you bring Jordan off to rest, now we got to deal with this guy coming on the field. But I don't think he strikes fear in an opponent's eye just yet. And if he can get to that point, he's an asset because you got to have those guys on the field, right? Or, Or on your roster, the guys that can come on and maybe give you 15, 20 minutes, but go hard. Um, and really make an impact. <clears throat> he's, he's just not there yet because I don't, he's young. I don't think he really knows the game just yet. And, and he obviously doesn't know what his role is yet because like you said, the expectations was he's a starter. He's coming from a team where he was a starter and now he's playing spot minutes. And the psychology of it is, that's the toughest part. And that's, that's why the best managers are able to get, you know, a lot out of the, a lot out of the most players that they can. Right. Yeah. And maybe there's only two or three guys on the bench that he can't motivate and can't get the best out of. So that's Schmetzer's challenge. How do I get the most out of this player that we obviously, you know, took a chance on? I, I think I look at him. I look at him and I look at, I think, as an attacking player. And Steve, you can you can probably talk to this a little bit more. If you're not sure of yourself or you're not 100 percent confident, that first step is lacking. And I look at him sometimes and I want him to be aggressive. And I almost think that he's second guessing those moments. Um, he, he is a young guy, and remember, he's he's a Brazilian young guy, so he's you know moved a long way from home. Those kind of factors in. He, he just he hasn't always looked confident to me, and that's why I think if he can get an assist or two, he got an assist. It was a great ball for for Rudy, a second goal. If he can get an assist or two, um, I think it can build that confidence. But I mean, I'm with Steve. I remember the game last year, uh, Colorado. I think we spoke afterwards, and. You could see the moments there. You can see he has the ability to take on and beat a defender. It's just that consistency and that confidence in himself to, to pick the right moments and really, really go for it. But it was a good start in midweek because I think he definitely played a part in the, in the success of the team going forward. I, I, I think there's two parts to this. I think when you look at a player like Jimmy and then you look at Leo Chu, Jimmy just looks like he fits into the system and the way that we want to play. And he's very predictable, but unpredictable at the same time. He's, he's predictable to the Sounders, but he's unpredictable to the other team. Leo, I think, is still unpredictable to the Sounders and yeah. to the opponent. And until that gets corrected or guys get on the same page in training and, and maybe he just needs more first team reps, I think you're still just going to see these flashes of, okay, maybe it's just who he's facing on the day that makes him look part of this Sounders core group. Um, and I think that's what might separate a guy like Jimmy that's making, 
you know, 200 grand a year versus a guy like Leo who's making half a million bucks. The expectations are high, but if you don't blend in with the team and get the most out of the guys around you, then we have no use for you, unfortunately. So we'll talk about this until he gets four or five games of, you know, consistent good play, I think. Yeah. Um, Want to touch on LAFC. Before we do that, is it fair to say that Nico Ladero is back to his very best? Like, are we seeing now the Nico? I thought he was out of this world. I mean, just watching him, it's, it's like everything he does, it's, it's so intentional. When he passes, like he makes sure he gets there. He's, he, he's not, it's weird because he's not your conventional number 10, clearly, because he played in the sixth role and excelled. I thought he set the tempo, he works hard, he's, he's there, Nico cares. And we saw him at times last year and it was so weird. A player that I've said is probably the best in history um, in that conversation looks so off. And we haven't seen that with Nico. And he looks now like he's fit, he's strong, his touch is fine, he's impacting the score sheet. Um, do we have Ladero back to his very best? I would say yes. I mean, just watching, it, good players can play anywhere on the field and great players can play anywhere on the field and make an impact. Um, Kellen is a really good player and he can play anywhere on the field, but he's not going to control the tempo of a game and make the killer pass. And Nico can play as a number six and he was playing as a right back at times in the first half, <laughs> helping out. He was doing everything he could to help out this team and then turning around and, and pinging the ball and getting the guys forward. So that's what great players do. And when they're confident, that's what they do, right? When you're confident, you feel like you can make that extra run and you can put in the extra effort and still control the tempo of a high quality game. And, and he's doing that right now. And it's, it's really fun to watch that there were a lot of question marks and there's no better feeling in sports than to quiet your pundits yeah. and quiet any fans that have any questions or any doubts. That is the best feeling as an athlete. Um, and so I'm, I'm just happy for him because he's been through the ringer and uh, hopefully he can continue to stay healthy and, and really just lead this team to, to the next level. Yeah, I, I think his, his ability to control a game. I mean, we talk about other 10s in the league. Like, you, you always have those arguments or those conversations. And I don't think a Reynoso could go and do what Nico did the other night. The, I mean, I, or, I don't... Even I know Zellerian, even Zellerian, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. And, and Zellerian, I look over the last 12 months and I think in, in certain games for, for Columbus, you could argue he's disappeared and... Mm-hmm. He hasn't had, but Nico always finds a way to influence the game in in so many different ways. And I, I think just the the icing on the cake is the work rate because you bring in a top player who can create, who can score, who can set a tempo, but then he just sets an example. To I mean, Obed Vargas playing alongside him the other day, you just need to look and see. Look, Nico is, you know, a player that is you could argue at the towards the end of his career where you could say. He can, he can be a luxury player. He can take minutes off. He doesn't. And at the end of a game, you're still looking at Nico. We can trust Nico in this situation to, to work. Uh, outstanding player. will go down as, as one of the very greats um, in, in Seattle history, if not the greatest, yeah. when you consider, I mean, he arrived right as Schmetzer took over. And that run, like, they go hand in hand together. Um, I, I'm so happy to see him back to his best, too, because he's just, he's an infectious character, the way he is, the way he, he carries himself. Yeah, he's outstanding the other night. I have a question for you guys, and it's a really tough one. Who, if you had to have only one or the other, would you rather have Rui Diaz or Nico Ladero? For me, it's impossible to answer. I, I can't. Right? I, I can't answer that. Both, 
you can't have one with, with the other. You need both of them, honestly. But to be fair, we've seen Nico without Raul and was fantastic. And last year we saw Raul without Nico and he still got his goals. Yeah. So they're both almost, fine, but I'm not going to choose. I mean, I love both of them. He almost had. You know, he would have he would have broken the record okay. without Nico if he stayed healthy, which is the crazy thing. Yeah. And then they play so well together. Keith, what is that stat that you had when they like each score a goal where like we always uh, win something? I think it's like we we always always score. Score. I think yeah. I think it's like 14 0 0. I think it, I yeah, 14 0 0 when they both score a goal. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, I'll the question is there. I'll say it. I think tomorrow, if you're telling me or any game, I would say Rui Diaz just because goals are the hardest thing to, to get in the game. So as a goal scorer, but if you're talking about building a team, you know, those kind of things. And, and, you know, we have to start with one player, maybe Nico, just because you know what he's going to bring, you know, he's going to set that standard. But I, I think, I think Raul does as well. I mentioned the work rate. Raul's work rate is like ridiculous for a nine. You talk to, I talk to other people around the league and they all say that as well. They're like, man, nobody thought, I mean, everyone knew Raul was good. Nobody thought he was going to score at this rate and lead the line like he does. So, yeah, tough one. But I, I would push them to show for one game. Probably go Raul just because of the goals. Wow. Um, hey, Steve said, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't pick. I just couldn't pick. Um, they came into the league and in their second year set the league on fire. I mean, these guys, that, I think, 2018. So Unreal 2018. Yeah. It, it's unbelievable. One of the best MLS regular season teams I've seen. Obviously, the sound is not them out in the playoffs, but... Then it went off the rails a little bit, you know, started losing players. Some signings didn't work out. Bob's voice probably wasn't working anymore. Carlos Vela was injured for a long time. They look to be back somewhat to that level. Now, I don't think they're playing in the same way. I don't think it's that high-end counter-press, possess, possess, possess. Um, but Steve Trindle is obviously doing something right. Um, Keith, you're in LA a lot. You have a lot of connection around the league. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? Why is it working so far for LAFC? I mean, they sit top of the table and they look like they could do something this season. Yeah, I, I think I think the new voice definitely helps, and that's not a disrespect to to Bob. Sometimes you want to go in a different direction. Yeah. I think they've done a good job of bringing through younger players, Palacios, Mamadou Falk, players like that that maybe were on the edge of the squad are contributing more. Um, so I, I think I think in that regard they've done well defensively. They kind of had issues at centre back for a while um, under Bob the last couple of years. I, I'm guaranteeing that they're regretting the decision to to let Walker Zimmerman go in that second year, or that third year, excuse me. So um, I, I think you're starting to see them get back on track there defensively as well. Um, but I'm going to argue that I don't think they have been incredibly tested so far. I, I know they're top of the table, but I, I just don't, I don't see that statement win. I, like, I still think I look, you know, I, I take Sounders, I take LAFC. I'm taking Sounders every day. Um, you know, with our strongest lineup against against LAFC, I think there's improvements. I think I, I spoke with Steve Sherundle at the start of the year, and he said the one thing I have to fix is transition. Us in defensive transition, we just look wide open. And I think to your point about the way they play, I think they have a better understanding of let's not be, you know, as crazy in terms of our positional playing and give ourselves a chance to have a defensive shape and structure behind our our attacking play. So that's improved, but I, I still think. They would, they would argue as well. They would make the point too. They're looking up to the Seattle Sounders when everything is all on an even page and saying, you know, we still need to get to that level. I still think the Sounders are a better team overall and a better squad overall as well. I mean, they, they add Chiellini, right? Which 
is going to solidify things in the back for them. You know, 37, right? Can he still do it at this level? I mean, I think he can. I think so. It's, it's, it's just coming from the league that he was in is so organized and almost predictable for the, for the better part of that league, I think. I think he's going to encounter some players and teams and styles that he's never seen before. Um, not a lot of these European guys get to experience that like Central American flair. And for, for all of its knocks and CONCACAF, <clears throat> sometimes it can surprise a lot of people. And you, you see it when the U.S. plays in El Salvador, right? You, you bring on maybe a guy like Jordan who has experienced, you know, that kind of atmosphere before and, and gets one at the very end. And there's tried and true um, performances from Major League Soccer in, in Central North America that I think he'll find some challenges in, in, in how physical and how fast the league will be. But um, he could help solidify them and take them to the next level, though, right? Like, that's that type of player who's seen it all before. Um, is he past it? I guess we'll find out. I don't think he'll play this weekend, but... Um, yeah, he's not available know, until... A couple uh, weeks, right? Yeah, July. First week yeah. of July, yeah. So, um, I think when you watch it from the outside, Major League Soccer is like, oh, I could do that. Like, I used to watch when I was at Irvine and go to games and be like, well, I could, I could play that. I could do that. <laughs> And then you get out there and your head is spinning. Yeah. It's just so much faster and physical than, than you can, than you can even imagine. And so sometimes you hope that's the case, you know, with a guy like that, like they, they bring this big guy in and he's got all these accolades. And then after the first game, he's like, Oh shit, I just took three, you know? Uh, but also you he want to comes across as a good guy though. Don't you think? Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you see, you look at a player and you're like, yeah, I, I don't know. This guy looks like he's mailing in killing. He like, Everything yeah. about him smacks right. of professionalism. Like Professional, he wants yeah. to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting because Juve play maybe a little bit of a deeper line. Mm-hmm. But look, he's, he's a top player. Like yeah. Italy, when they pressed, he's, yeah, I, I mean, that character in the dressing room is, yeah, is, is going to be incredible for the younger players too. So normally I don't like the older players, but I, I think this one will work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. It's clearly, I mean, in my opinion, clearly the two best teams in the Western Conference. I'm just hesitant to extrapolate too much from a regular season game when it extends to the playoffs. Like, I don't necessarily think that this game is going to show us what will happen in the postseason. And I just, I want everyone to sort of pump the brakes on like going too crazy. Like, oh, this is, you know, the Western Conf- this is a preview of the Western Conference final or whatever. We don't know that yet. Um, but I definitely think that this is going to be yeah. exciting and a good measuring stick, a good measuring I, stick. I, I still think the Sounders need to be careful and, and get after it because you don't want to face a hundred percent healthy LAFC team at LAFC in the playoffs. And so the Sounders need to, you know, yes, we have guys missing, but you at least need to get a tie out of this one to keep teams within striking distance. Right. If you're going to be missing Raul, then, it's going to be a tough task against a good team. Um, but you can't just let this one slip and be like, oh, we're missing Raul yeah. and Yamar. And yeah, that was a missed three points, but we'll be fine. Because I don't want to face an LAFC team that's flying uh, yeah. at LA come October. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask this. We're doing hard questions. I'll ask this. Um, he's back, and I'm glad he is for the sake of the league. Is To me, when he was fit, he was the best player in the league. Like Carlos Vela was lights out different like a different level and um, he's back i don't know if he's back to his very best now w- if available if possible salary caps notwithstanding will you take him on a sound and if you do where does he play i i heard that 
I mean, am I allowed to say this? Something I heard the Sounders were interested. I heard the Sounders were be. one of the. Yeah, I heard the Sounders are one of the clubs that he was interested in as well. Yeah, but they're not going to pay that kind of money. Yeah, the Sounders but, don't do that. I don't think anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think you have to have that conversation because he's that good. But I look at history of Carlos Vela, and you can always, almost say that he's so good, but he has another level. And does he push himself to be that next level? Like, there's question marks for me when he was in Spain. Um, he could have gone on an, another level and didn't. He comes to LAFC and then it, the level drops. He doesn't get involved with the Mexican national team. And I, th- there, is some, there is some flags there for me, but on his day, uh, I mean, that, that, that 2018 LAFC team was, I mean, built around him. He was the, he was the star. Everything he did, goals, set up things. Um, yeah, if you so you do take him on the sounds, yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd have that conversation. I, I know you're not going to tell me you're taking up, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just struggle with Carlos because is he does he play the best when he's the man? I think so. Yeah. But if he comes to the Sounders, yes, he's a high quality player, but he's also coming in with established guys that are pretty freaking good right around him so do they then elevate i think he would he would love that though yeah yeah Yeah. so do they elevate him to the next level even and that would be pretty fun to see and of course right now jp's out so you put him where christian is put christian as a number six exactly and then we're flying right like that's nico vela jordan (laughs) Jordan i i heard i heard a, a comment from somebody close to carlos before about him talking about rui diaz Saying, you give me Rui Diaz, yeah. I have twenty assists a season. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for me, that, Easy. that respect level. Easy. Yeah. 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 Um, Kili, broadcast info for tomorrow's ABC. ABC yes, ABC. we are on ABC. ABC twelve oh eight kick. Uh, Taylor Chalman and John Champion will be on the call, and they will actually be in the building this time. Wow. You guys can say hello. Nice. Uh, yeah, and then we'll be on ninety three point three KJR. Uh, Keith Costigan and Casey Keller on the call for that one. Uh, Pete Fewing, Jackson Phelps, and Diego Arioja. Pistol, Pistol Pete Fewing. Pistol excuse Pete. me, excuse yeah. me, my bad. <laughs> um, all right, before we get out of here, let's touch quickly on the World Cup. It's coming to Seattle. Um, that event was huge. The first World Cup I remember was the 94 World Cup that I really remember watching that final Brazil, Italy. Who can forget? Romario, Roberto Baggio, so many top players um, came to this country. And it really, I think, launched what then became MLS and we've all benefited from that to this day. Tough to say what the 2026 one will do for the future, but the fact that it will be here, um, and when I say here, not just the States, but also in Seattle. Um, Keith, what was the event like? What was the excitement like? And then I'm curious for each of you, your best World Cup memory or moment. Ooh. That's a good question. Um, it, it, it was good. The event was really good. I mean, fans were, were buzzing. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, um, you know, this is only the second time in history a moment like this can happen where, you know, you have the ability to be announced as a host city for the World Cup. So I, I think, you know, some of the older generation that were there were kind of reminiscing like, wow, what it was like in 94. Um, you know, w- we traveled to, you know, Stanford. We traveled to L.A. Now all of a sudden it's in your backyard. You're talking about the fan fest being down on the water. You can walk to the stadium. So, I, I mean, everybody was was super excited. Um, and I mean, my question is, I'm going to, I'm going to think on yours. I'll get to it at the end, but my question to everyone is if you had the choice 
what country would you like to have at Lumen Field? You know how you host like a seed basically and they play their games. If you had a choice of anybody, what country would that be? Give me a minute on the on the World Cup the memory, and uh, I'll get back to it. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, like you, Steve, 94 was my first introduction to watching soccer on TV because we didn't have it before that here. Um, And so my growing up in Phoenix, we didn't have a game there. So my uncle went to a game in San Jose or San Francisco, one of the two. And uh, he got me this like commemorative coin that I still have to this day. Um, I didn't know how much of an impact it would, you know, have and, and mean reflecting back on it. But I think it's just a testament to what, you know, the Sounders have done since 2009 to be in that conversation without the success of the team and the fans. There's no way that we we get a game. No chance. Yeah. Right. And so hats off to Sounders and everyone that made it happen, because that's truly what this has been born from. And I'd hate to have the thought process or do an interview about, oh, you guys didn't get the World Cup. What happened? Right. That disappointing feeling is probably means yeah. more than actually having it here because I, we truly do deserve it then yeah. if that's the way that I feel. Um, and there's absolutely no question. And, and reading into it now, what they're going to do with the field is is going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a legit soccer venue and it should hopefully play true to what, you know, FIFA specs are. And that's, that's what you want. Uh, we've played on grass here before and <clears throat> it was okay. U.S. versus Panama, it was, it was pretty good and we got a great result. Um, but now this place is going to be filled and for multiple games, right. And multiple teams and just it, the past couple of days, I've just imagined having a U.S. game here. Like what if they were based out of here would be just insane and what it would do for our city to, you know, kind of revitalize and get back to it with that sort of thing on the horizon. Yeah. I think that can really you know, juice up the city and, and, and get Seattle back to, you know, maybe where it was, you know, four or five years ago when it was just a hot spot to hang out downtown. And who knows if that can be it. That's wishful thinking, but um, the World Cup has bigger impacts than I think we even realize. And uh, that's what I'm most excited for. Um, but my favorite was um, sitting in 2002, you know, the time difference and U.S., opening game in you, me and my friend were just talking about it. in her basement. We had like 12 people and just going crazy on her big screen and uh, straight I'm from there. There's other people there. That story would have been like me and this girl in the basement. So it, uh, and then heading off to get breakfast burritos right after that, like a vivid, vivid memory. And, and these are the ones that just stick with you forever. Um, yeah. But if the U S had lost that game, you wouldn't really remember it, I don't think. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be that fond memory that you reflect on. So there's a lot to be said for winning. Dude, if Seattle had Seattle is a city that has so much soccer bra- bra- bravado in the United States, as well they should. But if we hadn't gotten it, that would have just been so horrifying. Yeah. Like horrifying. Yeah. Thankfully that didn't happen. Um, my World Cup memory is actually the women's world cup, 1999, them winning mm. it. And everyone freaking out because Brandy Chastain took her shirt off and oh, had a sports bra yeah, on. Yeah, a yeah, freaking yeah. full sports bra. Speaking of <laughs> more, you know, the World Cup can bring more conversations or whatever. Let's talk about that one. Because yeah. um, I still remember the outrage over that. And it was so stupid. Who freaked out over that? I don't remember. Oh, like all on like the news or whatever. I there know. were all these like news anchors being like, 
this is horrible for the children to see, blah, 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 you know, all that clutching their pearls type of stuff. Listen, in England, that would not be a response. No one would care. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, And then in terms of the Men's World Cup, I still remember watching that goal against England and it going under Robert Green's legs, basically. Uh, I will never forget that and the reaction of that. Like, it was just like, oh, my God, did this actually just happen? Yeah. Uh, Do you have a team? Do you have a team that you want in Seattle? Brad, you said the U.S., right? U.S. I mean, I love U.S. and then France. I would love France. Mm. Well, for your question, Keith, when I think of the World Cup, I think of Brazil. I think of Brazil. For me, Brazil. No-brainer, yeah. Like, I yeah. just want Brazil. I want to see that. I know there's going to be music yeah. playing, samba. I just know it's going to be fun. Can you imagine yeah. the, 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 march the fans? The march the of the match. I just oh think of Brazil. God. The World Cup, yeah. I think of Brazil. So I would like. I would love to see Brazil here, see them training here. I mean, it would be unbelievable. They probably yeah. will use the soundless facility as well at that time. Oh, so it's incredible. It's... I think Brazil, and you know, assume probably Neymar still there at the time, but they have still a great squad. Vinicius is there, um, and I would say my memory is tied to that. I would say the best is the whole 2002 World Cup, um, Ronaldo, essentially, because he had come up from a very serious injury. I think he came back and scored like eight goals, and he had that yeah, yeah. and he's just watching him back at that level at his peak, and then it introduced us to the three R's: Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, and it was just like, yeah, this is. I mean, they beat England, which was sad. The Dino free kick over David Seaman when he loved him, and but that was probably the one of the most fun Brazil teams I remember. Then with Cafu, Roberto Carlos, though, and it's just fantastic team. So that 2002 World Cup as a whole, just seeing Ronaldo back to his best on that stage, scoring eight goals, two in the final. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. I would say my now, my my memory is '86 was the first world. Well, I was nine, watching it, and Maradona obviously stands out. But there was one game. Um, Brazil against France, and it was just Socrates played, it was, it was one of my all time favorites. Zico was on the field, and there was just a sequence in it as a, as a commentator. Now, I remember the commentator, Martin Tyler, where it went down one end, France should have had a penalty, it broke straight down to the other end. Brazil just in full flow, and Zico missed an open goal. And Martin Tyler was like, I don't know what's going on, like, this is just world football. Like, it was just two of the very best teams, Platini on the field as well. It always stuck with me, like, just as a kid, like, I was, like, the minute the game went over, I was like, I'm going out to play. And it was just, that memory is, every time I see, like, a clip of that game, I stop to, I'm, I'm watching this. That's that's how much of an effect that had on me. But that's yeah. why I'd want Brazil here. Because Brazil, yeah. for me, they're the country that are synonymous with the World Cup and all their success as well. Yeah, well, obviously, it's, it's exciting. It's going to be exciting. Great that Seattle gets it. And Seattle gets it. Some major cities are overlooked. I think DC comes to mind. Chicago yeah. comes to mind. Shots. It's not going to either of those. But we're happy here in Seattle. And can't wait. 2026. My, my question on that is, do the host countries have to qualify? Or is it still automatic? Automatic. It's got to be automatic. Yeah. It's still, it's yeah. still automatic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, Keely, any... Over and under. Oh, yeah, we've got a quick over under LAFC. And these are actually predictive. They're not trivia. So you're not guessing, you're predicting. It's actually what over under really is. It's not my fake version that we've been doing. Okay, first one goals tomorrow, both teams. So total goals tomorrow, over under 2.5. Now we'll give you a little bit of context. The average regular season uh, goals between these two teams is 2.7. That is the average. Oh, I'm saying under. Oof. It's the kickoff time that does it for me. Um, yeah, good show. I'm gonna go over those though. I wanna see three right. one, three two. Yeah. 
Okay, so Steve and Keith are both over. Brad is under. I'm going to keep track of these so that I can yeah. yell at the people who get it wrong. Uh, all right, Stefan Fry saves versus LAFC. So how many saves is he going to have against Los Angeles Football Club? Over under 3.5. His average versus LAFC is 2.8. He averages 2.8 saves versus them. He'll make four over. saves. Over. He'll make four saves. I'm going under. I'm going under. All right, Keith's under. You guys are over. All right, last one. Over under. I am unfortunately under the weather, so I will not be there tomorrow. But how many game day texts asking for help am I going to get over under 30? Oh, I mean, I'll send you 15 myself. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. It, dep it depends on how you define help. Because like, if someone's like, you could like, it could be like, Alicia, what do you think I should do here? Are you going to like that? Oh, no, I mean like, hey, man, where's my parking? <laughs> oh. You guys all got that one right. I guarantee yeah. you it'll be over that. All right. Uh, thanks for playing over under and uh, yeah, good one. Brilliant. Sounders LAFC tomorrow, 12 o'clock ABC. Keith and Casey will be on the radio call. Um, the usual pregame crew will also be doing that. That's on KJR, yes. And we'll be back next week um, recapping, hopefully, a victory, but really looking forward to seeing this one. Um, as always, thanks for listening. This has been Side by Side. We'll be back next week.